0: Welcome to Bold Becoming, Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Becca Ray. Hi, good afternoon, Julie. How are you? Good, thanks. Today on Bold Becoming, we're joined by Becca Ray Eagle to talk about her ident- identity loss that's catalyzed by a health condition or health issue and also connected with her career. And so, welcome to the show, Becca Ray. Thank you so much, Julie. You're welcome. So, for those just meeting you for the first time, just a little bit about who you are and what you do. I know you're in transition or you're like just, but anyway.
1: I am in transition. So usually at this time, I am getting ready to look forward to summer full steam because I've been a teacher for 21 years and I will always be a teacher at heart. But um, a health crisis this fall um, led me into a space of having to take uh, FMLE time. And what I is realized, that? Uh, Family Medical Leave Act. We are protected okay, to take a certain amount of time if you've been with a school. And so I made sure that my doctor protected me in that time to to feel better. And it took me a long time to feel better. So during that time, things healed. Um, but they they didn't go according to plan in terms of the timeline that I had talked about returning to work. So, I decided to resign and instead of be forced into a career transition, kind of make my exit from full-time public school teaching on my own terms.
0: Okay, well so so I think we should just jump straight into the story because isn't that the story we're here to talk about is sort of like who you were before your health thing happened, then what happened and how that how that changed your identity. You know, when we lose, when we have to basically go off on disability, that's a big deal. And then when we have to like change careers, that's a big deal too. So let's just jump in. You can
1: start wherever you want, Becca. Okay. Um, So, I have been a public school teacher on and off. Um, I took some time with my son when he was little to own a daycare, which is fun. But for the most part, I have been a public school teacher serving students from fifth grade all the way up to community college ever since 2000. Different schools, two states. um, And I've also taught community college as an adjunct instructor and as a writing center coach. A lot of different hats that I've worn, but all under the auspice of serving others in education. This fall I overworked myself. I signed that up- last last fall. Oh last fall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in uh, 2021, I helped out our school by working in an after-school program and was basically getting up around 445 every day, driving an hour to school, spending my day at school, and then doing this after school program and driving home at about 6.15 to get home at 7.15 in the evening. So basically Mm. a 12-hour day, most days of the week, Monday through Thursday, and that routine became exhausting. Um, And this is
0: after a year of COVID and teaching in 2020.
1: Yes. So I had been a substitute teacher. When I moved back to New York State, I decided to be a sub for a couple of years, a full-time sub, no less, but my last year subbing full time, I had a bunch of middle schoolers on Zooms and then took a new job in a classroom with a class site unseen uh, over Zoom for a full year and got to meet my students in person this year. So it was a full school year and then a semester and a half. So two full years of COVID teaching for me.
0: Mm.
1: And it was exhausting to say the least. Yeah, it was tiring for our kids. This generation of kids who's been through this are going to be some of the strongest leaders that we have. And I absolutely love the children that I've served during this time because they have had to be resourceful, resilient, strong, and holding space for those students while actually getting some academic stuff done. Uh, was definitely a challenge but when I got sick this fall and then it started with a sinus infection right after my dad passed away Uh, my Mm. my birth father got COVID and died
0: Um, and were you close physically there with um
1: we we were we were reunited so this was my birth father and I had had three beautiful years getting to know my birth father Mm. so we were getting close and Yeah, he uh, played a benefit concert for uh, veterans, and that same weekend, I had hiked a whole bunch of mountains, and two weeks later, he was gone, Um, and I think just the sadness and kind of everything that was heavy with that, I ended up with a sinus infection that would not quit and would not go away until almost March. That was a long time to be sick.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And and wait, so were you still working then or is that before
1: you stopped working? I worked with the sinus infection from October until uh, Christmas break. So until December 20th. So we're talking about two full months working with the sinus infection, migraines, uh, still going to work when I could. I had to take some time off to see a doctor and things like that, but nothing was helping. I was physically done. And I was emotionally taxed from the last couple of years uh, teaching in that manner. Um, What did
0: that look like, the being emotionally taxed
1: and the physically? What did that look
0: like being done?
1: Being done to me was waking up and trying the self-care that had worked for a year. I had become really good at taking care of myself, but the self-care no longer worked. It was being so tired that I would forget names of colleagues that I had taught with for two years. It would be getting home at night and staring at a pile of papers with my heart wanting so badly to do my work, but my body saying, I can't even walk across the room to pick up the bag to open it. That's, that's what being done was. And I, I, even when you know even made my kids cookies for Christmas you know I stayed up late and made, made my kiddos cookies and brought them in and we had the party and I just remember getting home at Christmas break and saying oh thank god that's over <laughs> and that was December 20th and by January 20th, sec- December 20th 2021 yes okay. and I I finally looked at my husband and was bawling and said I need to see a doctor because I am sick of being sick and I'm also depressed beyond my mind. You know, I, I don't know what to do with all this. So I called my doctor crying and January 2nd, I went to see her and she's, we had a soccer ball worth of tissues because I have a really good doctor. She's wonderful to sit there and kind of listen to me and realize that none of the courses of treatment we had taken were, were working, even though I was really trying all the things that had usually worked. And I hadn't had a sinus infection in 10 years. I had two surgeries and hadn't had a sinus infection since 2010. So this was something that I felt like my body was revolting. My mind was revolting. And she sat there and she said, honey, you need to take a, you know, some time off. It's, it's time to go on a medical leave and I'm going to work, I'm going to work this out with you. And you're going to, you're going to take a month. And I looked at her and I said, you're nuts. (laughs) Yeah. What? And she said, this isn't an option. You are taking a month off and we are going to get you set up with some specialists. And that included counseling. Mm -hmm. And I did what she said.
0: Now, how many doctors have your back
1: like that? None that I know of because she's not even a doctor. She is a nurse practitioner. She's an NP and she has the time and the knowledge to sit there for a straight hour plus with a box of tissues and knows me from a year, you know, she'd been my doctor for a year. So she knew who I was and what I was going through. She had more than a bedside manner. Right. And,
0: and she did have the luxury of time to be able to actually find out what was going on. My doctor for like, 10 years that I had, she was, not one single time did I ever have an appointment with her. And you know, they only had 20 minutes, right? Not one single time did she ever not ask how my son was doing. Because your health isn't just your body. It's connected to everything outside, right? (laughs) And and so it's not just about taking the vitals and doing your blood test. It's like the psychology is connected to your health. And so I'm so glad to hear that this um, provider had that conversation with you. And one of the things I learned as a social worker, whenever I did anyway, in crisis intervention is in general, as a type of provider we want the people to make decisions for themselves you know we want to empower people and that's not what you do when you're in crisis when you're in crisis you tell the person what to do because they're not in a good position to make good judgment decisions no so how did it feel like when she told you to do that
1: i it was kind of like an out-of-body experience you know i'm like I have a sinus infection that won't go away and I'm depressed. And then I realized sitting here with the soccer ball of tissues, (laughs) you know, worth the tissues that no, there was something else going on. I mean, over the last two years with COVID, I had lost my identity as who I was as a teacher in this foreign system. I had moved from Colorado to New York and lost a mom and a mother-in-law since 2017. Just the laundry list of things when I sat there wasn't just COVID teaching, wasn't just the illness. It was a a compound bunch of things that I had been walking myself through all the self-care that I was trying um, Mm -hmm. diligently. I was doing a lot of things right, but my body... Knew when it was time to tell me, nope, you need a full stop, not a pause. You need a full stop. You need to listen to this lady and you need to rediscover what else isn't ticking because something is not, not ticking right here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And I had a broken heart and I had a broken body and I needed to figure out how to heal both.
0: And the broken heart was from what?
1: I think the broken heart was a compound of having to walk through, you know, I, I, my husband and I got married in 2017 and it was beautiful. But at the same time, that same summer, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I moved home in 2018 with him, with my son. And then we get home to New York. And in December of that year, his mom was diagnosed with the exact same brain cancer. And that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, that, that type of thing is surreal. So to have to push through that, not as an individual, but as a family and having two losses going on at the same time, and then to get over that, to have COVID come, mm-hmm. and then to lose another parent, it was just. And to never see some of my students, you know, we're interviewing over Zoom. As a teacher, these Zoom boxes would be about 30, 20. And some of those kids, I would never see anything but their initials or their name. I'd see their ceiling fan. I'd never hear their voice. And I still had to give out the same amount of love and care Mm -hmm. and attention to whatever they were doing for the class and take the same role and, you know, is such and such here. But some of them, you didn't even hear their voice. So I felt like I was also mourning what COVID had stolen from me. I mean, I was a really good teacher. I was nominated, I can't even tell you how many times in Colorado for being teacher of the year. I had a literary magazine full of life. Uh, you know, we we had everything. And then moving back here, I was a sub. So I didn't, I had great relationships with my kids, but not the type I had being a tenured teacher. And I just felt like one by one, things were kind of being taken away from me. And I was left with this sick body, and this, this broken heart.
0: And also, you're, you're that is a lot of loss. And yeah, this COVID just brought on, you know, avalanche of losses. And at the same time, you're, you had just started a relationship with your biological dad and so that got nipped in the bud
1: yeah i had three years with the guy and he uh he came for thanksgiving all the way i mean they didn't exactly live next to us uh when when we moved back to new york we were four hours away four and a half actually from where my birth dad lived but he he made the track and came and had thanksgiving with us in november of 2020 and at least we had that And at least we had the few visits where I'd gotten to hang out with him and my birth brothers and just get to know in some capacity, not who your roots. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, stolen from me too, you know, and I, I came to terms with that. I mean, that was fine. It was it was all a matter of we're moving forward not thinking about the past we are taking advantage of the time we have now and that's left but yeah i felt like great (laughs) the the only part of this relationship that i'll have now is is more memories and we were just starting to make memories so yeah it was just it was a really really difficult time
0: sounds really super heavy it was and especially with the covid deaths the the grieving gets so disrupted because the normal things of like being at the bedside and that kind of stuff is missing even the 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 um you know the funerals and the memorials aren't weren't able to be you know where people are together and so it it just discombobulates grief grieving in a way that's hard to even imagine
1: yeah luckily we were able to have a proper goodbye to uh, my birth dad and he was a musician so he taught music at a local community college and he was a performing musician so People risked their lives to come to that funeral home and pay homage to him and mm-hmm. tell this, share the stories of what it was like to be a performer with him, a student of his, a friend, uh, to meet me because I was this big mystery. they like, "Oh my gosh, she's here in the flesh!" It was a very weird experience, you know. Oh my gosh, the long lost daughter kind of thing. So it's really weird. But if he hadn't had that funeral, I don't think I would have had my any way to grieve him because I wouldn't have known all these people's lives that he had touched so that was a gift actually uh that you know I'm I'm always thankful of that masks or no masks or you know a few people at a time or however they had to do it that that funeral home at that particular time it was okay to to have people with us because I had been to a funeral for a friend of mine early on in COVID where there was nobody there and it was just one or two people and you had to have your distance and it was a totally different experience. So I, I, I grieve for the people who were able to have those kind of personal goodbyes.
0: Mm-hmm. So what, what month and year was it, was your birth dad
1: um, service? He passed away October 13th, um, 2021, 20, 20, 2021. 20, 20,
0: yep we made it through 2020
1: almost through 2021 wow yeah it was a long couple of years 18 like 2007 may of 2017 to i guess when i started feeling better this year were a lot so that's a long time to hang in there and be a super cheaper
0: <laughs> so let's let's get back on track with with um the identity loss where you, you had this appointment with your, so this was like December 2021, Mm -hmm. you made it through the first, the fall school in, in person, right?
1: There were a mix. There were so many students out at a time that it was still teaching some kids online and in person. Okay. So
0: you had a little bit of normalcy and it was still completely disrupted. And, and so then you had that appointment and you took your um, practitioner's advice and then, then what happened? Oh, and, and so it felt very, I forget what you said, how it felt when, when you got that advice.
1: It felt like an out of body experience. Like yeah. I really wasn't sitting there. I mean, I physically knew I was sitting there because I was holding this, you know, soccer ball worth of tissues. I'm like, my God, this woman's listened to me for so long, and this is how much pain I'm in that I'm sitting here with this. You know, I mean, I had a physical reminder, but at the same time, when the words were entering my ears, I was like, Wait, what? What? A month? I I don't take time off from school. A month? You know, and then. You know that was i was supposed to go see her again on february 1st and i went to my second appointment and she's like oh nope, we need another month what <laughs> um and ironically on my way home from that appointment i totaled my car <laughs> so it was an interesting uh It was an interesting few months. So, uh, you know, I, I got the second diagnosis of, no, you need another month. And right on the way home, I totally disconnected. Um, I, I totaled my car going 10 miles an hour, uh, Mm. into some college kid who wouldn't turn on their blinker. And, uh, you know, it was a very bad day (laughs) to say the least to get the second. Yep. Two strikes you're out again.
0: So what, what was it like? How was it different the second month than the first month? Because the first month you went knowing you had a problem. And the second month, what was it like hearing her say that again?
1: It was a little upsetting because I had gone to the specialist. I had done all the things the specialist was telling me to do. But what, a mental health or a physical specialist? Um, both. I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor who specialized. And he had told me that his course of treatment was a month. So of course she got that news. Um, I you know, signed all the papers that they could talk. But um, the course of treatment with him, when I went to see him in January, it would have lapsed over February. And his one requirement to me was don't wear a mask. And in New York state, you couldn't go anywhere without a mask. So I was stuck at home and really stuck at home, (laughs) Um, Mm. just like everybody was during, because he said, you are probably reinfecting yourself by wearing masks, you know, and of course, what did I want to do? I was stuck home. I wanted to go grocery shopping. I wanted to get out of the house. I, nope. (laughs) So I was basically uh, following the ENT's orders and at that point had been Working with a counselor and a psychiatrist, you know, and to go into a psychiatrist's office when, you know, you, you didn't know you had a problem, <laughs> to say the least, uh, w- was a bit jarring. But I was following both of the, uh, you know, the mental and the physical doctor's orders, but things weren't magically getting better over the course of that month like we had hoped. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: so she told you another month. And, and so then what, what happened? What was that like?
1: Well, at that point I was, you know, hellbound and determined, Oh, there's not going to be another month after this. <laughs> uh-uh. So the appointment was set. Oh, but for... wait, did
0: you feel any better or at, at months, end of month one?
1: Or were I, you? I did in one respect. I was, rested. I had not been able to rest in forever. So I had had full nights of sleep. I had enough sleep. And just that alone had taken away because I was beginning to wonder if I was having early Alzheimer's or something like that, or early dementia. I'm like, what is wrong with me that I can't remember? And it wasn't like losing your keys. It was like this person you just talked to and you've worked with for two what is going on you know I'm not even you know at that time I was 46 years old I'm like what what is going on just not just having the sleep alone took away all of those symptoms all of them and that to me was an eye-opener I was also physically burnt out emotionally physically and I had this health condition with the sinuses going on so in that respect, the rest really helped. And mentally, I felt a lot better because I didn't have to report to all these million fires, you know, trying to put out million fires at the same time with all you the sick kids. On your job. Yeah. Y- you just worked on you. Exactly. Yeah. And that was a place of joy. And I, and I joined uh, an online group to keep my head And that I think that helped too. just, you know, my job was to feel better. So month two, I made it my job doubly to feel way better by March 16th. That was my next goal. And that
0: of that's of this year. Yes. And that's about when we met, right?
1: Yeah, we met in um, like, I want to say like mid-February.
0: Okay. And so you were. You were knowing that you might need to go back to work and you were also knowing that it wasn't going to work to go back to work and so you were sort of at a crossroads right or am i putting words in
1: your mouth no nope you're you're definitely interpreting um the situation correctly and i was just waiting also at the same time for the laws to change in new york state because the minute they took that mask mandate away, I was going back to work. I was like, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going back to work. You know, I I, I can't do this anymore. Um, but at the same time, I was in I was in conflict because I was enjoying this freedom, this rest, this space. I had time to journal. I had time to listen to music, read a book that wasn't something I was going to teach. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a human behind this teacher that I had forgotten about. Where did she go? So at the same time that I was waiting, and like, please come on New York state, release this mask mandate so I can go back to work. I was pushing fully to feel better and kind of resolve the, the tension in me. Do I wanna feel better as a person or do I wanna feel better as a, as a teacher? And that was a big choice I had to make.
0: And so, and so describe in a little more detail how that happened. Um, because I remember when I stopped working, cause my hand went out, I just spent like every spare minute in bed. I was so wiped out. I, I have these other health things too. And then, you know, you start to feel a little better because you actually get adequate rest. And then you start thinking about, you know, what what's important in life,
1: right? And I hadn't thought about that for a long time. I had always thought about what's important for my career, what's important for my son, what's important for my family, what's important for everything that comes out. But, and I had been doing self-care practices just to stay alive, you know, I mean, I did a good job of that the previous year, but what about what's important for me, like I started writing again and realizing I had a book hidden in my journals. I was like, wait a minute, you've wanted to be an author since you were a little girl. Could you possibly do that? This is kind of fun talking to other people online who are so positive about life. Could you lean into that a little more? Are you more than just a mom, a teacher, a wife? what about you? What about you? And I had to ask myself that question. And when that time came and it was reaching the March 16th goal, the time overlapped. I still needed to be out of work because I couldn't wear a mask. And so my doctor took me out another month. And at that point I was almost fully healed. I just needed a few more weeks. He said about two more weeks, you're going to be fine because the scans he's like this is miraculous he's like you have done everything we asked you to do and you don't need surgery and I was like because hey. they were I, don't, I didn't want another sign of surgery I'd had to they're not fun they take mm. like two weeks to recover they're gross um, but he basically read my scans and said you are you're about two weeks away from getting my go to go back to work but New York still had the mask mandate so I had a decision to make and I also didn't have a car. <laughs> so, I, you know, the universe kept saying to me, you know, these little like, excuse me, you know, maybe maybe you shouldn't go back to work. Kind of of all these, you know, ducks lining up. And I sat down with my family and I talked to my union representative. I said, I don't think I can come back this year because of the mass and just because. And that's my final decision. So I put the plans in place to give my one month's notice. And I didn't have a ride to work anyway. No one was jumping out from all the friends, you know, that I had made at work saying, oh, I heard you don't have a car. Could we carpool with you? No, people didn't even reach out because you're not supposed to talk to anybody when you're on FMLA. They're not supposed to bug you and you're not supposed to bug them. And you're supposed to pretend that, you know. We are only co-workers. We're not humans caring about each other. What do you mean you're not supposed to talk to anybody? You're not supposed to um, cross the boundary. You're not supposed to contact anybody the, from the school. So I had to work everything through the union. That you're not supposed to talk to anybody, Any, anybody who is a co-worker. So I couldn't reach out to my co-workers and say, hey girl, cheer sure about my car crash? Look at these pictures. Aren't these awful? I don't even have a way to work when I get back. Could you carpool me for a few months till I get a car? Like those conversations couldn't take place. But I assumed that administration, knowing what had happened, would talk to people and maybe hook me up for a few weeks. But no, that when I didn't get any phone calls. Wait,
0: you couldn't talk to them, but they actually could have talked to
1: you? No, they couldn't talk to me either. Okay. So administration actually couldn't have. They knew the situation though. Because I had shared that, you know, I mean I I had I had like one or two friends that I, I let know. I'm like, hey, this sucks. Look, I crashed my car for my birthday. You know, like, you know, so people knew I was in a bad situation. But the fact that nobody could or did cross that boundary as a human being, like, well, the heck with the school, it's like, hey girl, you okay? No, I'm really not, you know. Um, it just would have been nice to have somebody give a hoop, you know, for as a human. And that's part of the, you know, identity loss that I had. I'm like, well, am I valued more as a teacher role or as the person behind the desk? And I realized in that situation, you know, due to the politics and the way that FMLA works, I was just another person behind a desk. And that's not who I am. I'm like, no, this this is this is done. This is locked, sealed, delivered. And uh, I'm resigning. So what did that feel like? I mean,
0: how do you actually tell me a little more details of the steps of coming to that decision and how you actually, because that's a huge thing. It's like you you're giving up, well, you hadn't yeah. been in that system. So I don't know if you had retirement, but giving up a job, you give up your health insurance. You give up so much when you give up a job.
1: Yeah, we had to make that decision as a family, and we decided that because I was feeling better, because also, you know, when I first went to the doctors, I was on some anti-anxiety and anti-depressant stuff, but by the time that March... Before you got sick, you were already on it. No, like when, it, when uh, January came and my doctor's like... You need
0: You need to take time
1: off. Yeah, but between January and March you know, I had run my course of two months on those medications and they said I didn't need them anymore. So here I am entering April, fully healed physically, mentally, uh, psychologically, on no medication whatsoever. Not one thing. I take a multivitamin, um, making a decision that I don't need health insurance anymore. I mean, I'm supposed to have it by law, but my happiness and my health were more important than the retirement, the role, the people who supposedly cared, <laughs> the people at home and, and who I was and who I was blooming into because I had that forced, not pause, but full on stop, really woke me up and helped me realize I am more valuable as a human being than a role behind a desk. So so this is um, this is what all
0: these interviews I do is like people they have some catalytic event and then it leads them to this very huge evaluation of their life and what matters and what they can let go of. And things that we can't do in everyday life because the the cost-benefit equation doesn't make sense. But then when things change, we add different elements to that cost-benefit equation that give us a different balance and lead us to actually making decisions that are more in alignment with we don't want to call them selfish, but self-realization, because a lot of times we're sort of on auto mode or autopilot, sort of filling these roles that we get into a lot of times by choice, you know, what career and, you know, relationships and parenthood and stuff. But still we we get on auto mode and then we can lose ourself. And then these these wake up calls make us find out
1: that there's still other stuff inside of us. Yeah. And between all this, I forgot to mention, uh, my husband and I both got COVID. So (laughs) me working at home or not working at home, me staying at home, um, I got COVID and he just starting a brand new job within week one brought it home. So you know, if I could get over that in a week from where I had just been, obviously my body was in a bounce back mode. You know, and it didn't. Mm. It wasn't as you know, to have that lingering over my head for so many months because I had lost my dad to it. I'm like, oh my god, you know, is, is this going to be as awful as they say? You know, I know it's a different experience for everybody, but I got past that too. <laughs> so we we just realized that you know we we looked at the bank account, we looked at the retirement we, we looked at the whole picture and finances will work themselves out but you can't replace me you can't not,
0: re, you can't redo life you can right. redo your bank account
1: right so and ironically <laughs> I I wound up getting an online tutoring job so I was taken care of and I finished my book I wrote a memoir in this time it's publishing I've I've had a a business idea that I'm launching July 7th. I just I've recreated myself by not taking a pause, but being forced to do a full-on stop.
0: Wow, that is so exciting. And for my book, because we're in the same book class together, but you're doing a memoir and I'm doing a, a nonfiction book about identity loss. And I just wrote my story about my career loss. And how just how we we start to see things this we can be looking at the same thing, but we interpret it differently. Yeah. It's so powerful and so exciting. And and yet we, you know, it's it's really hard to make these huge pivots if something doesn't really big happen.
1: I, when I was laying there with COVID for a week, I, the only thing I could do comfortably was listen to really soft music or listen to audiobooks. And I listened to two books that week. Um, I listened to Martha Beck's Way of Integrity and Mm -hmm. Joe Dispenza's The Art of Remaking Yourself or Breaking the Habit of Yourself. I may have the titles a little botched up, but I, but the Martha Beck's The Way of Integrity was like a gift to me. I, it, it helped me realize, oh, that's right. You are heading in the right direction. You're listening to the things that you forgot about for about, eh, you know, 21 years while you were teaching. All the reasons you went into teaching were selfless and you were a good teacher, but you're, you're more than that and you still have half a life to live. You might as well line it up and live it in a healthy way and make the most out of it
0: because he because at the same time like even if they had accommodated me on my if they had said they could and which would have been a lie and and tried to accommodate me on my job it was gonna it was not gonna work out for me because number one they they didn't even know about how to give me a decent caseload to begin with but so in your thing even if you had gone back to work you could have ended up in the same place maybe not hopefully COVID isn't going to go backwards to the way it was in 2020 but still the school system is not um it's not that kind on teachers right it's like it's sort of like a is it a battleground
1: i would say that my school took steps to really try to protect teachers' mental health, but you know, they were, they were more things on paper, like, well, you can come during your lunch hour and um, do a meditation hour. We had a great program. I, I taught my students uh, mindfulness and consciousness of self-regulation and all that in an English class you know what what schools offer that well they offer this for teachers but if you have kids in your room during your lunch and you're helping them you can't really walk down and I remember the last thing I asked I said I went down for a meeting and I said listen I notice people walking every day during their break would I be able to make sure that's a protected time so I can do that oh sure we'll get back to you on that oh sure we'll get back to you on that can we make sure that I don't have kids during my lunch so that I can go take a walk? Because that is a way that I can mentally and physically get out of the space. And, oh, we'll get back to you on that. Well, they never did. And so I got back to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, they try, but it's a lot of lip service, I think, in a lot of schools. And a lot of schools don't even give planning periods. Which is not right. Um, we had a very good union at my school, and they they really protected us during you know COVID times to make sure that we were given as much as we could. And you know I don't have complaints about people doing the best job that they can in a in a time that nobody could figure out things uh, because every time that you turned around, something else. Was coming on people's laps, you know. You you had one fire to put out after another, and when everybody's trying to put out the same fire, it gets tiring. (laughs) So, actually, hearing your story,
0: you you went through this liminal period of being neither here nor there, really relatively fast, because a lot of people it takes. You know, for everybody has their different variables, and and I know you're just sort of now like discovering this new identity of uh, I forget exactly you're 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 teaching writing, mm-hmm. you're um, you've got a podcast going, you're doing the tutoring which is still you know the teacher hat on.
1: Yeah, I I tutor for less than another week. So at this point I am looking, we just moved. So our, uh, our family just moved to the community we've been wanting to forever. Uh, So I'm looking for a local fun job for the summer where I get to know some local people and I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but I'm releasing my brand next week. I, I still have a passion for working one-on-one with students and helping with college writing. Um, looking at getting into schools, something that fills me with joy, but I'm not, I'm not doing this tutoring thing anymore. It doesn't go on in the summer anyway. Um, I want to release these journals that I've created for teens to really find their voice that that brings me joy. I'm only doing things that bring me joy from now on, and I will use my skills, but I'm not doing that way of teaching ever again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that
0: is so, th- that, this is one, one nice story to hear. Well, I wanted to ask you one specific question. Weren't you one of the people that I sent this um, sort of assessment to, to decide whether your choice was actually going to work out? It's, it's, it's one of my certified high performance coaching things from Brennan Burchard that's actually academically tested. And how did that figure into? Uh, oh my I think, gosh.
1: I, you know, I, you've been so helpful on my journey and so supportive that that's so long ago in my mind that I had forgotten about that. And, and Julie, that was such a helpful tool because I had a hundred percent get the hay out of teaching basically. When you and did that assessment. Knowing I, w- I had already in my mind and heart moved on. Yes.
0: So you even before you did the assessment, you'd already made the decision and then that that validated.
1: It did. So I you know, I had about a million and one things telling me, get out. <laughs> and 101 things calling me into them. It's just, right now, if you look at our bank account, if they haven't started yet. <laughs> um, but it, we have been held and provided for. And my heart is in the right place to call in those things in my life. For example, just being as passionate as I was about giving to kids, having that passion on things that I deserve too, I was just offered another book deal. Um, I'm going to publish another book next spring. So I would have never had any of these things if... I had just said, nope, you're a teacher. That's what you're doing. That's how you're going to live. You're going to retire. You're going to die. None of this would have happened if I hadn't been fallen, if I hadn't fallen flat on my back. And Mm -hmm. if I hadn't started to take the time to do things like those assessments and listen to my inner knowing and go, oh, this is more than just getting sick.
0: This getting sick has more purpose than just getting sick. Yes. Wow! Well, you just confirmed everything I'm writing in my book right now. Thank you very much. Um, so, so let's summarize this new you that you are walking into right now. Give us the, this picture, and um, and maybe a little bit how the comparison to what you were before, before you got sick, when you were when you were a teacher doing your teacher thing. Then the sick part—that's that's the transition part, but um the before and after
1: before you had a person who loved her students absolutely loved them as individuals and really found joy in helping them grow now you have a person that has made herself her own student and pouring into herself to watch herself grow and to take off my teacher hat and put on my student hat to the world, I have learned that I'm the most valuable student first. And that's where the true seat of knowledge comes from. Um, I know who I am now and I know the joy, again, that brought me into teaching in the first place. I'll always be a teacher at heart but I am showing people new ways. My my whole focus in life now is self-care, taking a pause and making sure that kids like teens and tweens and particularly young women take that time for themselves also to hear their own voice because we have an insta this and an insta that and a fitted in a box and a tweet and you need to spend more time and more energy really knowing who you are so that you can share that joy with the world. Why would you sell yourself short of the joy that you have to bring to the world? I want kids to know that now. And that's that's what I do one-on-one, journaling, college editing, college essay editing. In my podcast, I, I bring on these quiet people who have self-care tips, <laughs> and everything I have in life now is about beckoning joy, beckon more joy. Why would you not want to share the joy that you can find within yourself with others? You're selling yourself short in life if you don't do it.
0: That's so beautiful, and that's what um, this, this story for my book that I'm writing the chapter right now um, that of my career loss It was about reconnecting with passion for passion's sake, not for being productive, not for like, I thought it was all about like having a new career, but as the time went on and it wasn't turning into that, I came to understand now this, this period of this chapter of my life was about reconnecting that you, that passion has as much of a a right, and a need to be in your life, as does, quote, being productive member of society.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Julie, you and I also have one other thing in common. I went to school to be a social worker. And I'm a convert to education, thanks to the University at Buffalo social work program said, maybe we'll just put this young woman in nonviolent conflict resolution and see how she likes it as a you know, one of her courses, it was an education course. And I said, Oh my God, I'm here for the wrong thing. Oh (laughs) man. I want to, I want to wear my social work hat in a classroom because kids need me. They don't need the content. And you know what? You'll always be a social worker too, but it's not your role. It's your heart. It's your heart. Yeah, it's 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 the service
0: heart, and then my brand of service has you know changed over time, and, and your brand of service through teaching has changed over time, and my brand of service of using my therapeutic voice has changed over time, and even even on these podcasts, I sort of sub um, subversively use my therapeutic voice as I'm hearing people's stories and. Just you know, being witnessing. that's that's therapeutic right there. And then sometimes people get new insights. I don't know if you got any new
1: insights in this interview or not. I, I did and as much as I could during all this uh, tutoring that I was doing, um, I tried to lean into your community and to your Friday lives, and you were an encourager in more ways than you'll ever know during this process. So I, you know, keep, keep up the podcasting and encouraging with your therapeutic voice because it speaks when you hold space for others and meeting them in that time when they didn't even know they were having an identity crisis.
0: Well, and that's my mission is to, to name it. I should be taking notes, but it's being recorded. Name it, normalize it. And get it out of the closet because people are doing this by themselves because everybody wants you
1: to be okay yesterday, right? Yes. And it takes time. Right. And time is something we need to be more patient with ourselves with. Exactly. Well, thank you
0: so much. Do you have any like last minute takeaways for people?
1: Sure. Um, my soapbox since getting better is self-care and beckoning joy. I recommend to everybody take five minutes. Just start with five, take five minutes for yourself. The first thing that you get up every day, make that your sacred time, because from that five minutes, you'll be surprised at how much more time you can carve out for finding what brings you joy. By connecting with yourself
0: in those five minutes, then it it sort of exponentially makes other, these other connections that you're, sort of serendipity type yeah, stuff.
1: You're, you're worth those five minutes because it's not the time, it's the energy. And energy is the commodity that we have to protect.
0: Thank you so much. Um, This has been so great, Becca Ray. Where can people find you online?
1: Uh, Starting next week, I will be relaunching my brand. Uh, I'm pretty excited. That will be, you'll find it by searching for Beckon More Joy, LLC. And on Instagram right now, I'm at beckoning and then joy, the number two day. Beckoning joy today. My podcast is Beckoning Joy, everything about joy and trying to find it. That's what we're about.
0: Oh, my God. And I'm just feeling so much joy, just even just hearing a person who's like got their mission set out to to help people beckon joy. (laughs) So great. Well, thank you for joining me today.
1: And
0: yeah, you've been listening to Bold Becoming and I'm Julie Brown. Hey there, the value that you got from this today, take it into your heart, add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens, and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others. And make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers, the links in the show notes.